step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Geekish Cast, episode 97. Geekish Cast meets The Joe Moffat Show. Welcome back to Geekish Cast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today I am joined by Joe Moffat of The Joe Moffat Show. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, and yourself, sir? Uh, fair to Midland. Fair to Midland, I believe, is how they call it in Oklahoma. Yep, that sounds about uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what part of Oklahoma are you in? I am in the northwest section, a little town called Enid, Oklahoma. We're about 100 miles north of Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. I actually kind of know that. My grandmother was from Norman. My grandfather was from Ada. Okay, okay. So I, I I have a little bit of passing familiarity with Oklahoma. Yeah, we we basically touch three. Well, not really touch, but we like that hundred mile range from Tulsa, hundred miles from Wichita, hundred miles from Oklahoma City. So I you you know anytime I need to hit either three, it's within no time we can you know be there. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know, what blows me away is that stretch of road between Norman and Oklahoma City. Yeah. And there are, I swear to God, the most beautiful girls working at every restaurant and bar in that alleyway than there are anywhere else in the country. That's where they put them. They they they, yeah. they do that on purpose. And I, and oh, I mean, I'm you sure. Gotta understand that's that Norman stretch, and that, that's what OU. That's what I mean. They they, yeah. they Oklahoma has a very untapped potential when it comes to beautiful women. I you know I. A smart man, I, I wish I had the money to do it, but a smart man would come out here and, and, and set up shop with, with modeling and everything else. I mean, I've seen some of the most beautiful women on the planet in this state, and it's it's, yeah. it's weird. And I'll be honest, and I like, and I'm from Texas, and and that's you know that's a hard stretch because you know Texas got some bad ones down there too. But I, I it's oh, yeah. there's something to say about the women of Oklahoma. There is. Well, I think I think you get the advantage of having two college towns that close to each other. That. Yeah, that and yeah. not only that is there's a lot of mixing of cultures that people don't really you know a lot of people think that Oklahoma is very backwoodish and you know things of that nature. But to be honest with you, the cultures out here mix a lot more than you would expect, especially in in the Native American heritage. I mean, there's 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 so many you know just different mm-hmm. variations now of 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 different cultures and, and races it, it, it's 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 a lot more mixing than you think you still see those you know that that have their beliefs whatnot you know but it oh, yeah. to me you know just just looking in the schoolyards alone you know you you'll see the kids you know that that's where you see it at the most that next generation is coming up you know there there's no there's not going to be a way of, of being everybody wants separation between races and groups and things of that nature. But as the children grow up, it's going to be virtually impossible because some, some won't even know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Until you go do a DNA test or something or or to get your, your, your genealogy tested out, you won't know. And then when you find out, you're going to be like, well, damn, I was being ignorant against my own people for real. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it's going to go down. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's changing. And like I said, that next generation we won't be able to, the separation won't be able to happen. It'll, it'll be virtually right. impossible. At well, least I know, hope so. I mean. No, I think you're right, because we, um, we lived in a, a little city called Santa Cruz here in California for about 10 years. And my wife worked for the Santa Cruz AIDS Project. So we go to a lot of uh, gay pride festivals, this, that, and the other. And a couple years back, we brought our friends from Monterey, and they had three of their kids with them. Those kids will never bat an eye at a transgender person or a gay person. For them, it's just going to be part of growing up. Right. And here in California, we're, for the most part, when you get into our bigger cities, we're we're kind of colorblind already. We're just kind of, you know, hoping it, it's everywhere else catches up to where we at least pretend to be right now. Right. Yeah. 
but yeah, last time I was in Oklahoma, I almost dragged a kid over a uh, over a uh, hotel desk and beat his ass. I was drinking that <laughs> night. It probably wasn't that good. We come out. Yeah, they they shut down the bars there at you know I don't know five o'clock or something ridiculous. And I asked the kid, and I said, well, where can we go to get a drink? He goes, well, the only place you can get one now would be is if you hit up a liquor store earlier, or you can get okay beer at the gas station. I'm like, all right. And I'm wearing, you got to keep in mind, I'm in a suit and a tie, right? Right. And this kid, I, I turn my back and walk away, and he goes, we don't wear tattoos around here neither. And I'm half drunk. <laughs> I'm wearing a suit and tie, and I'm like, there's no way this little bastard should know I'm sleeved, right? Whoa, 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 You said... Don't wear tattoos in Oklahoma. Well, you got to remember this was 15 years ago, back when it was still illegal. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've been here. I've been living here technically 10 years, but I went to school here back in 2002 over in Tulsa, actually. And oh, okay. so even then, I mean, that's the reason. I, you know, it's it's kind of surprising that somebody would say that to you because it's. I mean, shit, you man, <laughs> these folks out here stay tatted up. Oh, yeah, now they do, but you, you got to remember, what was it, 08, I think, is when they finally legalized having tattoo parties. Yeah, it was about, I think it was either 08 or 09, I know they passed yeah. it, and, and I, I mean, hell, I voted for it, hell, why not? I mean, well, yeah. it's, you know, hell, I, like I said, coming from Texas, hell, I got my first tattoo in the same place, Tupac got his thug life tattoo, and, yeah. and Dago's in, and Dago's in Houston, So and I mean, there's tattoo parlors all over the place out there, so. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, you're right. In Houston, uh, tattooing is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Joe, you are working on your uh, comedy routine or kind of polishing your comedy chops right now, right? Right. I, I, that's that's kind of the focus uh, of the show. There, there's no avenue here in the town that I'm in uh, mm-hmm. to do comedy. And, and anybody that's that's done comedy, practiced comedy, you know, performed whether on stage or on screen, you, you have to practice your art constantly. And with me, I, I use every avenue that I get. I mean, I'm talking about daily interactions because uh, mm-hmm. I, I work in a storefront. Um, so with, with me working in that storefront, I'm, I'm, I'm standing there constantly telling jokes. And I'm, 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 I'm not really telling jokes, but just being funny. It's gotten to a point where now it, it's kind of like it's like water. It, it, the, the formula is very simple. When you read a person, you, you see how the day is going, you, you help them out. And with some of them, it's gotten it gets a little easier because you have you know regular clientele things of that nature. But even oh, sure. with, with new customers, I've gotten good at being able to to read people and to understand on a singular level, and, and even under a crowd level, you know, like maybe four, five, six at a time, um, on how to read and 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 get effect off of everybody there. And between that and using the show, the show helps build the the material and it helps me not really build it helps me build the material that i wanted the show the show usually is not none of my material keep that in mind i i, right. I keep that i try to keep that locked away as far as possible other than the stuff that is like life stories i'll tell those anytime because though that's mine nobody can take that from me whereas material you know that that can get nabbed pretty quick so you know right. i keep my my real stuff that that's that's i'm going to take on tour and and put out to the world that's sitting in the in the shelf whereas but it does and you'll hear glances of it from you know from my regular stuff that i do every week um because that's like i said it's just fine tuning and, and and honing it to the best of my abilities right um and most often uh well I, I think almost everyone every one of your shows that i've listened to at least you are without guests it, it is you doing your thing yeah I tried to do that once. I got through about 15 minutes before I gave up on it. Um, I could not fucking hack it. I could not just be myself talking. Um, did you, when you first started doing that as your format, did you find it uncomfortable, or were you able just to roll right in? I, um, it actually, and I kind of studied a few people. I've, I've listened to talk radio for years. Mm-hmm. Um. And there was a gentleman, I, I, I hate that I forget his name right now, Lord forgive me, but um, Don Cheadle played in a movie called Talk to Me a few years ago, and okay. he played a, a gentleman, his first name was Petey, and um, in the show, all this man did was talk. It wasn't really necessarily that he was, you know, 
pinpointing anyone or trying to to make a basis or, or a particular point per se, but he just talked. And when you listen to some talk radios, I mean, you know, you got your Howard Stearns and and you have everybody over at, at Sirius XM, um, which I, I do enjoy listening to theirs. There was one called the Joint. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the Joint Studios. They were in California, and they used to have um. They had a lady on there by the name of Debbie Diamond, a porn star from years and years ago. And but she was she was amazing. And she had a good show. She had a producer, you know, she, and I would listen. Those were some of my influences to learn how to just talk, not necessarily try to, to have a basis or, or to have, but just to, to have pick a topic and roll with. And that's kind of what I do with the show. I, I kind of I, I talk like I talk like I like you're in the room. I, I treat everybody. I want when you listen to it, I want you to think you're sitting right there with me. That that's the whole basis of and the reason why I think it, it works in, in some ba- in some light um, because I, I try to reach out and, and say you know like for instance last show I, I said when we were talking about the uh, the couple of shows ago actually the Roach Milk. Mm-hmm. And I said something, you know, like, you know, lady, sir, get off the ground laughing, you know, because I'm I'm kind of try- I'm trying to focus on somebody could be laughing at that. So I'm going to point him out. But like, come on, dude, really? You ain't got to, you know, don't and, and try to even though there's nobody in the room with me. It's just me. But yet I, I try to talk like I'm I'm in the room with you. That's the way I'm trying to sell it. And that's I think that's the reason why it's it's starting to pick up and have the flair that it's had, particularly over the last month or two. Right. Well, how long have you been doing this now? I started last June. I did my first show June 1st, 2015, right around the time Donald Trump made the announcement of of doing the pre- of, of wanting to run for president. And I was just I <laughs> it was a funny story. I worked on I'd been at this job for 18 months. I loved it. I adored it. Um, the job was kind of like my personal comedy stage. I, I shit you mm-hmm. not. I, it, there was a. Picture it, if you will. You, it was a big, it was a long, like, storefront, and you come up to a desktop. The desk, the desk front had a, we had stand-up desk uh, with the computers and everything right there. And then there was a wall, like a, a, a room separator, like, but it was a half wall. So, but it went up enough where you couldn't see us and you couldn't see over it, but we could, you know, we couldn't see back over. But then we'd have, but we'd have to walk around, kind of like walking on stage, if you will. So each time working there, it felt like I was going on stage as far as with the people that came in. And it was so funny because it got to the point where I had customers coming in there. They wouldn't even be buying nothing. They would come in just to hear me talk, talk crash. Like on the third, (laughs) they knew on the third of the month, the 30th, the 15th and the 20th, those are the four biggest days of the month. And they knew I may have 25, 30 people in the lobby. And so when I had 25, 30 people in the lobby, hot, complaining, waiting because it's in line. No, 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 no. We ain't gonna have all that. We gonna we gonna have some fun, and I'd sit there and do my thing, and it and it would make people just absolutely just and and with the industry that I'm, you know, this is doing loans and stuff, you know, payday loans okay. and things of that nature at the time, and you know, when people gotta come into a store like ours, they wanna sometimes they look down upon it, you know what I'm saying? Because they they oh, sure. they need the money, but and I to me the first thing I would always want to make them do is to feel comfortable. You know, feel lucky that you can get the money, honey. Some people can't come in here and ain't got a job and ain't got a paycheck and ain't got a uh, a bank account to be able to come in and get all of it and do this. You know, make them feel good about themselves. And it's all sales. You know, it's a hustle. Don't get me wrong. I, mean, I don't want y'all to think I'm trying to be a savior. And hell no, I was doing this to make money. Let's get this shit straight. I don't want I, I tell it. How, I tell the truth. You know, this was part of my job. But after what became a part of the job eventually turned into something more because people started listening to me and and somebody i had a guy come in and tell me you know joe you told me something and, or you said something one day while i was in here and man that made me feel better it made me feel great and then i did thank you for that and i was like damn i don't even remember what the hell he was talking about huh i was <laughs> i was a little fucked up at work that day i don't remember shit he but then i took that and then I, I after i lost i lost that job over some bullshit i went to try to sell insurance that was bullshit because I couldn't get my own agency because my credit, my credit from going to college to try to get mm-hmm. a better job, you know, had my credit all jacked up. So I was shot to shit. Couldn't do that. So I was like, OK, well, what am I going to do? So I, I got a job. But then I in turn, I said, I have to do something for myself. I have to do something that's going to start building a, a foundation for me and, and my family. 
um, my, my son in, in general, you know, because he is he is the basis of why I do everything that I do. He is the reason why I'm doing the show. He is the reason why. Hell, he's the reason why I'm breathing, to be honest with you. You know, if it wasn't for that little boy 11 years ago, I, I was kind of in a, in a lost spot in, in, in my path in life and, and wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And for him to, to, to have that blessing is 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 what's driving me now. So, I mean, I, I'm doing it. I, I do it for my boy, but I, now I do it for the people. I do it for you guys because it's like I said, it's it took some time. It's been a year. My first month, I had 26 plays. <laughs> and, and it was and, and, and I was happy with I was happy with one the very first one it made me excited beyond belief until I found out I think I accidentally gave it to myself so I don't I think I pressed play on SoundCloud <laughs> or something I don't know but it, it now like the last month I had like last month I had like 782 and that was that was nuts I was like wow and like I noticed uh, don't get me wrong I know some people think ah oh, that ain't shit and that, Fuck you. That is something to me. That's huge. And the month before that, it was 382. And that was the highest month ever. You know, I mean, I'm taking everything that I got with stride. I'm loving every inch that I'm having to climb with this thing. I'm Mm. wanting to press the gas as as hard as I can, Lord willing. You know, so don't get me wrong. I'm I'm wanting to bring in more and start doing more to, to bring in more notoriety, if you will. But like I said, I'm taking baby steps with this thing because I, I wanted to. I want this podcast to be something that even if I start doing tours and and start going out and, and doing more, I still want to fall back on this podcast and be able to say, you know, hey, this is still my avenue to connect directly with the people that that came up with me, the people that want to be closer to me. You know that this is always going to be a part of me. The podcast won't right. go nowhere, no matter what. That's that's going to be my direct link to the people always you know yeah well let's 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 talk about that a little bit where did you first get the idea to start a podcast um it, it kind of goes back to the joint and and listening to debbie diamond uh there was another one on apple called uh sex is fun mm-hmm. uh well yes i'm a perv i, I listen to a lot of dirty shit. don't judge me damn it i did yeah <laughs> yes i listen to dirty shit but it but it was all talk it wasn't you know it, it was, you know, they would talk about sex toys and they and they talk about positions and it, but it was fun and they were having fun and they were laughing and giggling, um, and and especially the sex and fun people. They used to their I would listen to their show religiously. They ended their show a couple of years ago, um, but it was it was hilarious. I think they still have some of their old episodes still on iTunes, as a matter of fact. Um, but but they were a big influence on me. Uh, I did the Sirius XM. And listen to some of those shows. That was a big um, avenue that I started listening to some of the talk shows on there. Opie and Anthony. Um, of course, Howard Stern. I, I was a big Howard Stern fan, even when I shouldn't have been. Like, you know, I was 14, 15 listening to Howard Stern religiously. Um, right. and, and I've always, I mean, I was one of those kids that would sit around in my grandfather's office in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and call the radio station and, like, listen to radio all day long. I, would lo- I love music. I love you know, interacting with that, but I also love the interactions of the radio personalities. And I would call the radio stations and like win prizes. And, and there was actually one, I, I can tell this story now that I've uh, finished all of the um, therapy I had to go through. I dressed in drag once uh-huh. to win some concert tickets. The concert, uh, it was 12 acts in one night. So this was like fucking huge front row seats, tennis shoes, t-shirts, all, the whole shebang of bang. Um, and so they, it was for the movie Double Take with uh, John claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. And you remember, this was back in the 90s. We all remember Rodman was fucked up back then. I ain't, I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying nothing. Nobody, that y'all know I ain't playing. Something was wrong with his ass. He played hella good basketball, but his personal life was just, uh, he was the original TMZ shit. He inspired everything that TMZ does now, then. Can I say that correctly? Yes, uh, about Dennis I believe Rodman. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, well, let's let's keep in mind he married himself. Thank you, and that. Yeah. Was, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was a part of the contest. We had I want I had to call the radio station and and they were answering questions about the movie double well double takes and they were talking about like twins and they asked a question about like peaches and herb and the twins from sister sister and shit like that something corny, and I answered all the questions and that won me tickets to go see double take. Well, at the double take premiere, 
you had to come, you and a friend had to come dressed like Dennis Rodman. But like you just said, right? Dennis Rodman did what? Mm-hmm. Married himself? Yeah. So you had to have a, the girl had to be dressed as the guy version of Dennis Rodman, and the guy had to be dressed in drag. So we were, um, I wore a blue clown wig with a flowery tie-up shirt, some uh, shorty shorts. My dad had a 19, like, 76 red leather jacket with, like, you ever seen the ones with the ripples in the front? Kind of like, you know, like it should have ruffles, but it was leather, so it was, like, real, like, something Shafts would wear back in the 70s. Yeah, yes, one of those. like some weird pleated thing or something. Yep. Yeah, and some Nike Air Max tennis shoes with my socks rolled down. I, I had makeup on. I had never been so, I don't know, like, <laughs> I... I, I it was it it was a weird transformation, but I, I knew it was for work, so I just kept it focused on work and ran with it. And we showed up to the I had my stepsister with me, uh, Ashley, um, and she was I put her in a tuxedo. And we went to the movie theater. Movie theater was packed with people. We were the only ones dressed in drag. Me and my stepsister. I'd be a little upset. We were the all, uh, the whole theater was jammed fucking packed and nobody else dressed up but us <laughs> so we won um needless to say so uh oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah the point is we won but you know and i that kind of you can feel a little bit of that's a little bit of the energy i haven't tapped into with the show as far as some of the craziness that i'm capable of capable of other than my words you know there's there's parts of me that that haven't even come out that's where the that's what the stuff is going to be shown on the, on the comedy tour. And that's just, you know, right now the show, the show kind of, it's in, embodied with a lot of things that I've seen over the years. Um, and, and keep in mind, I tried comedy and was actually on stage uh, back in 2001 was the first time I did it um, at Just Joking Comedy Club in Houston on the southwest side. Mm-hmm. And it was on uh, Richmond Avenue. And I'll never forget it. The first time I stepped on stage, I was nervous as hell. I didn't know what to say or do, but I had a little routine. I I, I knew I had five minutes up there, and I, if I did good, you know, they might ask me to come back. And sure enough, I did good. I actually did great, and they asked me to come back. But it was that comeback. It was I did so good the first time. I was thinking that it may like replicate, and it was it was good the second time. But I didn't get that energy. And then when I went home, I was like, okay, let me try to do another routine. And I, I was I was writing and I was writing. And as I began writing, I started writing about things that in my past I wasn't really comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But these were the things that if I could tap into them right, would be hilarious. So I kind of caught myself rewriting and, and overwriting and sculpting. But then after a while, life kept going on. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I kept living and then kept growing and then doing more and experiencing things. You know, like I said, I went off to Tulsa to school. That was a trip, you know, watching a dude run around a, a hotel complex trying to find somewhere to pass out wearing nothing but a, a, a white T-shirt and I shit you not, SpongeBob boxers, grown ass man in SpongeBob boxers walking around. He finally comes to my room, pukes in my bed and passes the fuck out. I'm like, you bastard. Get your SpongeBob win ass the hell out of my room. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting there sleeping on yeah. the farthest corner of the bed because yeah. I was so damn drunk. I, you know, I'm like, I'm not sleeping on the floor of this hotel, but I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. You know, yep. little things like that kept happening. That's like, that's, that's comedy. Go put that down. You know what I'm saying? That's that. Then I, I kept noticing after that, I started seeing it was like it was damn near like seeing patterns over the last 11 years, 11, 12 years. Um, of little things that happen, and I've 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 harvested all of that that comedy, all of that has just come in, and now I've gotten so stockpiled that I I started noticing that some of it started to fade a couple of years ago, and then last year that's when I kind of was like I was looking for that avenue after the whole insurance job was getting ready to fade out, I was getting ready to go into another job, and I was like I got to find something to do with my comedy. If I don't, it's going to start fading. And I, I can't have that shit. You know, I, I just I didn't want to just have notes. I wanted to get it out there and see what people thought so I can start taking those notes and then start breaking away some of the stuff that ain't working. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's it, that's my process. I've, I've started cutting away so much that will work and so much that won't 
you know, and, and that's and then that's where the show began, where it was supposed to be about comedy. But then after a while, it became comedy and politics. And I started hearing myself being too political. So I was like, no, nah, we got to throw some fun in this shit, you know. And then after I, the, the Lemonade and, and Game of Thrones recap show, that was the one where I said, I'm going to let whatever hair is left on my head down. And that one, mm-hmm. that one, ever since I did, I feel like ever since I said, did that one and between the Super Bowl recap show and that one, it's been kind of a transformation into what it is now. And I think the energy that I have now is when I want to carry on forward to try to make it more popular. Right. Well, see, and I run into, because I'm a salesperson. I drive a lot. Like I, I have a 2015 Dodge Charger. I've already put 35,000 miles on Damn. it. Damn. Um, so I drive a lot, and Oakland is part of my sales territory. So one day, like the first or second time I listen to your show, I'm in Oakland in a bright red 2015 Dodge Charger at a stoplight, and the next thing I know, the N-word is coming out of my speaker. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, shaved head white guy. Should Okay, let's put those windows up. Yes, I would have loved to see that shit. Yes. Yep. Oh, I don't. And it's it's not even that I think anybody else noticed it, but I became so aware of it that I'm like, hmm, yeah, this is this is not gonna work. <laughs> that is awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. So and actually, you want know and then uh, a few months back. So I've been listening to you. Uh, well, I don't know, probably since February or March, I think. Appreciate it. And then, yeah, and then my wife was actually on a road trip with me, and it was right after his royal badness prince passed away. Yeah. And she listened with me to your show about that. So, you know, we, we've definitely been listening to you. Um, what kind of blew me away one time was, I don't remember what episode it was, but basically you're getting ready for work and you do your podcast. Like you get ready, you jump in the car, you drive to work. Yeah. And that cracked me up. What kind, when you record your show, how do you do it? What kind of hardware and software do you Y'all use? Y'all going to crack up laughing at me. I use a, either my iPad or my iPhone. Okay. I, I did finally get me a professional rig about a month and a half ago. I had I bench I was trying out mics and I had one, but it was if you notice I am I actually talked to my dad about this a couple of weeks a few about a month ago. And mm-hmm. he was telling me that, you know, he was having problems hearing me and he he's a little older, so I was like, Yeah, we gotta fix this shit because I want him to be able to enjoy it, especially because he has my grandmother there, so both of them probably listening. And so I was like, um, but like most of like the first ones, that it was nothing but GarageBand on my phone, my my like I said, my iPhone and my iPhone head earbuds. That was my very oh, first wow. show. That's all I had, and and my and I use my iPad too because that's like where I keep my notes and and everything like that usually. And then I, I wrap them through the iCloud so I can do notes on my phone. They wrap back to the iPad, and you know depending on which one I want to use. But I just use that little suite. I got a Dell and everything for you know desktop. To do little, if you know, if one of them are conked out for some reason, then I can send them to my computer, and you know, up. I had to do that this last week. Actually, it kind of pissed me off. <laughs> I was trying to hang out with my son, and like I couldn't like the the wrong damn episode. The right episode kept posting, but it kept it wouldn't like show the time in SoundCloud. I don't know if they were glitching, or I was. I don't know what the hell was wrong. So, so I, you know, I just jumped on the desktop and knocked it out. I know everybody. I don't know if anybody noticed it. Like I kept deleting it and reloading it and deleting. It. <laughs> And I was already a day late because, like, with my kiddo leaving, I was hanging with him this week and, you know, letting him go nuts and stuff. So, but, and then, like I said, I wanted to take a week not to really discuss news, but kind of crack, take some shots at Donald Trump. And then Clint Eastwood go talking shit. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. I was like, why? I wanted, no, I didn't want to do this. Then George Zimmerman got popped in the mouth. I was like, no, nah, I can't, no, nah, hell no. Ain't no way. I can't, I can't miss out on that one. That shit. There's not a comedian on the planet that'll walk away from that joke. No, I mean even Bill Maher was posting about that. Yeah. Stevie Wonder was taking shots at that one. I mean, yeah. hello, everybody took a shot at that one. Shit. No, you? it's yeah. You, I'll tell you what. Ten people started their comedy career off that shit this weekend. I'm telling you. You think I'm bullshitting? Yeah, <laughs> if anybody out there deserves to be shit on continuously, it's that bag of fucking pus. Uh, he ain't go- he ain't gonna get his due. It'll be a while. No, this will no, be a little vengeance for now, but it it ain't. It, it, it's the whole thing. The, the whole thing about it is this, and 
I've discussed Trayvon Martin in the past and that whole situation. It bothers me how anybody can defend a grown man getting into a fight with a child. I don't give a damn. Oh, yeah. And, and I, don't, I mean, because here's the thing. If that was his father, his father would have been in jail. And, and I'm saying this as a child of, of, you know, unfortunately, of domestic violence as, as you know, at a young age. To, for mm-hmm. a grown man to be able to attack a kid, you know, and then the kid actually start whooping his ass in defense. I mean, you know, and then he gets scared and kills the kid. I'm like, come on, dude. Come on, man. Uh, Ain't no explaining that shit for the life of me. Yeah, how how that doesn't get called premeditated murder, I have no fucking idea. Secondly, I kept hearing these stories about how there was the ground and pound. Trayvon Martin had him in a, a ground and pound position. That was a 130-pound kid. If a 130-pound kid can beat your ass, you, you need to take it. your ass beating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you take that beating because you fucking have it coming. And I, I mean, I grew up in the ghetto, so I, I didn't see, you know, I saw little dudes with big dudes' ass from time to time. It wasn't often. Oh, yeah. It wasn't often. You know, they had to catch that nigga slipping with a pipe or something, but they made, they hey, they got the job done. I mean, you know, it was dirty, but when your ass is 5'4", and you can piss off somebody 6'7", you know, yeah. do it's God's will. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. If that Zimmerman not been carrying a gun, that would have just been a fist fight. True. Plain and simple. And hopefully he would have had his fucking nose smeared across his face, and that would have been that the only it. come out. Yeah, you know, and and even if and even if he would have pulled the the whole oh he attacked me and shit, you know, and got Trayvon Martin in trouble, he'd have been in trouble until the truth came out. He wouldn't be dead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know that that's the the at the end of the day, I think what everybody is forgetting, and the reason why I've been so adamant the last month, I, I'm I'm not defending anybody, and I want that to be known. I wanna I wanna take this moment if you don't mind to put that out there. Because sure. I, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that Joe Moffat is taking a side. Because Joe Moffat believes in two things: right and wrong. If your ass is in the right, ain't no thing, man. Do do you? Your ass is in the wrong. I'm coming after you. It, it's just that simple. Because it's there's too many areas that wrong is being sold as good. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. And then on some hands, I agree, like, say, with, with Clint Eastwood's old crazy ass with that shit. You know, he's right. Shit, it, we we are in a bit of a, a pussy generation right now where political correctness is getting a little bit out of hand. But in the same breath, don't mistake political correctness with ignorance. Just because a person is not wanting to say something in a particular way doesn't show that they're they're showing that they have an intelligent mind of being able to say something compared to saying something of complete stupidity. And Mm -hmm. I I think people are starting to get, that's the reason why I love that phrase. Motherfuckers got life and bullshit confused. I get that from my mama. She, she taught me that because when you got life and bullshit confused, you, you sitting here focusing on the light and you ain't focusing on the motherfucker that's shining and the reason why he's standing there. What is his purpose? Why are you trying to get my attention? Why are you here, dude? Well, you know, that, that's my biggest. I can't focus on the light no more. And there's too many people focusing on the damn light than focusing on the motherfuckers who's shining. It. Oh, yeah. Well, Bruce Lee used to have a thing. It was, you know, if I point to the moon, don't concentrate on my finger. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, pay attention to what I'm trying to show you and not the person showing it to you. Exactly. So it's it's kind of the, the other side of that to- type of thing. Well, yeah, this there's I'm kind of look, I'm I'm a I'm a middle aged straight white guy. No matter what happens, I'm going to be OK. You know what I mean? <laughs> true. True. Yeah. I'll give so, you that one. I'll give you. Yeah. That one. But but here's the thing. My, my black friends, my brown friends, my my gay friends, my trans friends are not going to be OK. You know, in every situation. Um, look, you know, like that, there was a guy who just shot up that gay nightclub in Florida. Yeah. I, me and my wife have gone to gay nightclubs before. Fuck, we went to a gay nightclub on Halloween once. And oh, there is damn. no gayer night there's, than that. There's no more. You've, that's the holy grail of fun right there, my friend. Oh, yeah. That, that is. Oh, yeah. My only, now I've been to some gay nightclubs. The only problem is I kind of get attention. And like I went to a beach party one time in Galveston. And a dude like yelled from clear across the yeah. beach at me, and I was like, "My d- nigga, why would you do that, dog? I ain't never been catcalled. This was like I think it was like the first time I ever been fucking catcalled." And I was like, 
Uh, yep. Well, there's there's a big part of that. Like, I was willing to go because my wife was with me. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I had my wife, and I had our at the well, this is my ex wife and our at the time girlfriend. So I'm mm-hmm. out there with two women, and still had like some dude that was bold enough. And you know what they say about men with big feet? And you know me being a smart, oh, yeah, and me being a smart ass, I was like, yeah, they get wedged in your ass too tight, and kept walking. <laughs> and I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't really know what else to throw out. And but then once again, whole damn crowd started laughing. See, they, they those are those little moments, those little every one of them. I have cherry picked the best ones. And there's been a man. I've seen some crazy shit, especially living in Oklahoma. When I, getting away from Houston kind of opened my eyes to a lot of shit because you know Oklahoma is like number four. This town, let me take it back. This town in Oklahoma is like the number four highest drug abuse rate in the world, like in the U.S. I'm like, goddamn, we ain't even got two hundred thousand people in this motherfucker for real. Yeah. Holy shit! But well, once again, you walk around Walmart, ain't lying. Well, you know, and there's a certain amount. Um, so I think that happens in towns. I don't, I'm not familiar with the town you live in there, but I know Houston can be like this because there's a lot of not unemployment necessarily, but underemployment. Guys not able to get more than seven bucks an hour. And you often see, man, you know, fucking drugs are a fun way to spend your money. I, you know? yeah, I was in Houston a couple of weeks back and I, we went driving and I was going to my brother's house over in Third Ward, and um, he lived right over by U of H. And if you've never been to Houston, you know, you've heard of University of Houston. And for those that don't know, University of Houston is right smack dab in the ghetto. I shit you not. It sits right smack dab in one of the biggest black neighborhoods in Houston, which is Third Ward. It's actually wrapped around another college, which is Texas Southern University, which is the HBCU, historically back college and university. So, uh, you know, and he lives right over there. So you have, and then that's right on the outskirt of downtown, right by the compacts, uh, not compact center shit, um, what is Toyota Center, sorry. Uh, the compact center is not a big church. And we ain't gonna, we, we're not going there today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so... When I pulled through this certain area of town, I saw all these people outside, and I was like, I told my wife, she was like, my no, my son was in the backseat, and he said, what are all these people doing out of that? I said, I think they might be getting ready for a Black Lives Matter protest. And my wife looked at me, she said, no, honey, I, I don't think those are protesters, sweetheart. And it was so many people, and I looked up, and they, like, you know, I looked down when I really got to focus at a stoplight to see what was going on. It was a lot, all of it was homeless. I mean, it was a large group. For me to me to yeah. sit and say that they're getting ready for a protest by just driving by, not noticing the bags and, 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 and the relaxation and the sitting under trees. I'm like, I'm in traffic. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and I was like, holy shit. That w- was a shock to me. You know, because I know Houston. Houston is a place where if, if you want to make it, you can. But everybody needs a little help. Well, it's if you want to make it and you can fucking hustle and you know a lot of people, you can make it. See, me, I I, I had all those three when I was in Houston, but yet it still wasn't enough. Yeah, you know, not by a long shot. It shit. Well, it's because there's there's also a lot of competition though too. Yeah, and and yeah, with a city like Houston, granted, but even though it's it shocked me because there's been avenues. And then, like I said, I haven't had a chance to really focus and, and, and put any time into it. Now I hate that I haven't because I'd have to be there to really get it done right and to really, if, if to make a contribution. But in the same breath, it shocked me that that is what it's, it's become to. And I hadn't been to Houston like two years, so this, you know, this has happened probably starting in the last couple of years. And, and particularly, I lived there, you know, through Katrina. I was in Houston. When the that that mass of people came, you know, a lot of people say, "Or oh, you were in Houston and Katrina it didn't affect you." You're a damn lie. It, everybody came to the bulk of them came to Houston after Katrina. Shit, I was getting yeah. I was getting off work at twelve thirty at night, working as a security guard, and was taking I was taking um, ice chest full of ice and water over to people sitting in line outside the welfare offices that were already sitting out there waiting for the office to open at six 
They were sitting out there starting the way they one because the line they knew was going to be that long. You know, it, you know, it was it was real at those times. And then to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To see some of the aftermath, you know, even here, you know, 11 years later, it's still just to see that was shocking. I, I, it was definitely a, a reality shock right there, to tell you the least. Yeah, that was that was a bad, bad event. And it became a humanitarian fiasco as well. Yeah. Nobody really ever focused on that side of it. Yeah. And it's it, it's hard, but, you know. Yeah. Well, allowed them to gentrify uh, uh, Southern Louisiana pretty well, though. And you know, being from, I grew up in that area in Southwest Louisiana, actually, and mm-hmm. it was starting out there well before any hurricanes hit. That, oh, that sure. Was, that everybody want to sit here and try to say that, that the hurricane came in and then caused the bullshit. That, that, that was already that was no. in the the hurricanes helped. But it was already, yeah, it was already in motion, especially in cities like Lake Charles, because when the when the little hurricane Rita came through, it it like hit Lake Charles pretty hard. And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest attractions that it tore up was the Harris Casino that was in the town that provided a lot of jobs in the area. Now, here we are 10 years later. They just, I think they just opened up a golden nugget. They opened up, and I think they've opened up two more since then. You know, so I mean, that, but that was all change that was in effect. That was stuff, it was it was coming. We just didn't know when and how and, and what was going to happen to make it happen. But they knew it was, they, this was in place a long time ago. I, yeah. I, yeah, anybody that say the tornado, the hurricanes are the bullshit. Well, I was, but it, it accelerated it. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Oh no. It made yeah. it easier. I, I give them that. It, it definitely made it. You know, it made it like well, damn. We, you know, it, it literally it was like they literally hit flush, and yep. no problems. So I mean, yeah, it, it made it. It definitely made life easier. But now nah, they already had that shit in plan. Yeah, I got to tell you. So back in two thousand one, right after right after nine eleven, the next month, my grandfather passed away. Mm-hmm. He lived in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and I had never been to the South. I was born and raised in California, so I had to take a one-way flight to Mississippi right after 9-11. So Ooh. first off, I got, I got treated like a suicide bomber everywhere. Damn. But, um, so I get there, and I uh, get off the airplane that night, and I go to a Shoney's, uh, which is for people that are in the West, it's like a Denny's, but it's a little different. I go in, I order some food, and I'm sitting there, man, and there are 12-year-olds filling tables, smoking cigarettes in this place. And I'm just like, holy fuck, what is going on around here, right? <laughs> I try to order a beer, and the kid, you, you would have thought I called his mother a whore the way he reacted. He was, oh, sir, he, like, clutched his chest. He looked like Lindsey Graham. Oh, this is a family <laughs> This is a family establishment. We do not serve spirits in here. And I'm like, whoa, Jethro, it's fine. It's a nice tea. Um, I got to tell you, Joe, I have never seen. Here, I think for people from California, we have never seen the kind of racism that still exists in the South, yeah. and we don't think it's there. And it, let me tell you, if you go, I got called. I'm going to bleep this out. I got called nigger lover for stepping out of the way of a lady with a stroller and a baby. Don't you bleep that out? By. Don't bleep that out. Be real. Don't no? bleep that. Okay. I said, I, Joe Moffat told him not to bleep it out, and anybody got a problem with it, you can bring the shit back to me. Yeah, and I am, and I am just stunned. And I'm like, how how do you not fear a beating driving around talking like that? <laughs> it, you know, you know it, it's it, it, people who don't think racism doesn't exist. Be black for a day. Yeah, you think you think racism? Okay, I I got one better for you. You don't think racism don't exist? Move into the ghetto. If you ain't willing to move into the ghetto, don't tell me racism don't exist. Miss me with yeah. that bullshit. Don't get hell. I won't move into the fucking ghetto. Shit. I for what? I've moved out of the ghetto. Hell, I am in a little ass town. And I assure you, this is far, far, far from ghetto. Out here, where I'm at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There are more trailer parks out here than you see projects. I rest assured. And we're in this little corner of the town of where we in. There's actually. And people get shocked when they see this. Uh, a um, a uh, another race of of people that comes from the Marshall Islands 
that are brought into the United States, into Enid, actually. And so when you come here, you know, and, and you look at a project, once again, another one of them culture shocks, you would, the, a racist person is going to sit there and say a black person live there. Right. And then they see, the, uh, they, they see one of these, the, these other ladies and gentlemen come out and they be like, wait a minute. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Uh, wait a huh? Yeah, I'm serious. This this is what I'm trying to get everybody to understand. These this mixture of these it's 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 a melting pot, and this pot it's about to pour over, y'all. It, 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 we won't be able to tell each other apart soon. We won't. There won't be a, a reason to be able to say black and and white. We will be people eventually because there will be so many cultures we can't name them all. It, goddamn, it, you know, you, there's so much blending. And I, I swear to God, I told my wife yesterday we were going to the store, and I saw this little boy. He had a very, very deep, deep tan. He had blonde hair. He was on his bike. And I was like, I, I, I swear I'm not saying this to be funny. This guy on the show, Tom White, said, what in the hell race was he? I could not, I could not fucking tell. For the, yeah. for the life of, I'm not, look, I am the furthest thing from racist. But when I saw his little ass, I, was like, I could not tell what the hell he was. I should, I swear I'm I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm being dead serious. I could not fucking tell. Oh, I don't I don't think there's anything dickish about. It. You know, I've got a friend. His uh his daughter is and this is like the most crudest sense, but you know, white, Filipino, Haitian, and uh South American of some kind that I don't remember. Won't nobody know. <laughs> yeah. And you you just you, you know, you look at her and you're like, "Oh, you're something." <laughs> you know. I mean, she's a beautiful girl, and often you see that, like, especially, you know, uh, like, when you see, like, a black woman with green eyes or blue eyes or something, it's just a very striking look, you know? Yeah. And and the more mixing of types we get, the just the better. First off, it'll be better for everybody, just genetically speaking, just yeah. from a breadth of DNA. But, um, no, I'm looking forward to a more blended world. I think it'll be better for all of us. And, and one more thing, when I think about blending there and what you were just saying about, the, you know, Anybody that listened to, to that Sir Mix-a-Lot song talking about, you know, acting like white girls ain't got no ass, they ain't never yeah. been to Oklahoma, baby. Oh, they ain't, <laughs> never, they ain't never been out here before. Oh, my God. I Look, call me a shoulder, call me a pig. I don't give a damn. It's a whole lot of ass out here. And ain't all of them. I didn't see black women with that much booty in this state. Well, I think Jennifer Lopez changed that whole thing for everybody, mm-hmm. didn't she? J-Lo come here and be like, damn. J Lo yeah. be put to shame with some of these. <laughs> did you see? Did you see? There's a video called Booty, and it's J Lo and um, oh damn it, Iggy Azalea. Uh-huh. Is that, who's who's the Australian yeah. girl? That thinks no, she's I saw that. Is that one. her? I saw that. Yeah, one. I saw that. And one. it's basically just them hitting each other with their butts the yeah. whole video. Yeah, that was pretty. That's that's good TV right there. What's it like? Yeah, well, no, you ain't seen the new barbershop movie then, because Nikki. Oh. Oh, oh you need to see that. It, it, it's a it's a good movie because of the plot story and everything else. And plus, Nicki Minaj's ass helps a lot. I mean, it, it, well, you could you could hold a whole movie up with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me yeah. wrong. If she wasn't in it, it would have been a wonderful picture all the same. However, her in it in it definitely makes for good entertainment. I'm not gonna shit you. I I, I give her <laughs> all of that credit. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I'm going to hell. Uh, (laughs) nothing wrong with any of that no this has been a rough year for me for movies man because like every month there's something coming out and then like every month i'm a little bit disappointed you know Mm. it's like batman versus superman now i didn't hate it as much as everybody else Uh, but i did find it to be a letdown in some it was it was oh i watched that this uh past weekend i hyped it real big for my kids and i was like y'all get me batman and superman i'm I'm gonna buy it I'm going to the unedited version. I'm going to buy it. My wife said, no, don't you spend $20 on that shit. We're going to rent it, and we're going to watch it, and we're going to see what you think. I was like, fuck it. And I got to the end of the movie, and I was like, man, I'm glad I say that $20. Damn, dude. Now, see, because uh, the unedited one was the one I thought that should have been in theaters. I thought that was outstanding. Everybody was talking about how I was, and I let my, I don't, I let my kid watch it. He, he, he already saw the first one. So, and then when yeah. we saw the way everybody was like, you know, my wife was like, it's rated R. I'm like, that shit wasn't rated R. What was rated R about it? I mean, I watched Game of Thrones. So, that wasn't shit they was going to do in Batman vs. Superman that they was going to do in Game of Thrones. So, I figured it'd be okay. I don't let my kid watch Game of Thrones. So, I figured Batman vs. Superman should be all right. You know, it, 
even with the you know with the little extra and i i didn't see the original one so i'm not sure how much of the big difference there was but oh there's there's in the story there's a huge difference um, but I think one of the reasons it got rated R is they used more curse words, and there's also a couple scenes where Batman smacks a dude's head into a wall, and it leaves a big bloody splat where he hit him. <laughs> Wait a minute. You've seen Deadpool, right? Yes, I have. Like in the beginning when the dude got shot and his brains was falling out of yeah. his head? That shit was rated R. That's yes. rated R to me. That's the rated R I grew up with. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, there were three movies I was watching I shouldn't have been. Purple Rain and Color Coming to America was two of them. <laughs> the Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox was the third one. Okay, so I mean, it was you know, it, it, I, I'm used to the good shit, you know, and so I was, you know, when that shit happened in Deadpool, and I'm thinking that they didn't. I thought they went back and did something amazing with Batman versus. So I was expecting to see, you know, the little brain scoops or something. Nope. Yeah, Deadpool killed it for anything DC was going to do for the rest of the year. I think they, they, I think Deadpool caused it all to go back to the drawing board just because of the fact that they made a Marvel movie that went back to the days of Howard the Duck, and yes. and it went back to the Blade days, and it went back to to what Marvel originally was doing before Disney stepped in. Right. It went and showed a possibility that nobody had even really considered. No, nobody yeah. thought Deadpool was going to be that fucked up. <laughs> yeah. No, but, you know, you're talking about, like, rated R movies. You're right. When we were young, you had Purple Rain, which was, I think, a lot of guys our age popped their first bone. I don't give a fuck. Movie. I still want to go de- go dip myself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. This has got, this is on my bucket list, man. <laughs> Well, yeah, but, you know, it was like looking at, like, our horror films from back in the 80, early 80s, you know. Yeah, that's got a lot more gory, I think, lately. It, yeah, but, but see, in ours, they, they were a little bit gory, but you also knew if you were going to sit down and watch Friday the 13th, you're going to see some boobies, too, while you were there. Yes. That yeah. that was, that. I'll give you that one. And a funny story about those. My sister was so, she beat my ass if she ever hit us, but. One of my one of my older sisters, she was scared shitless of Freddy Krueger to the point that she couldn't even shower by herself. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> this nigga would make my this motherfucker would make my my old our oldest sister because she was the one who freaked her out. She would make her sit in the shower, would sit on the toilet holding her hand while she was sitting. Oh she was that God. goddamn scared of Freddy Krueger. That's funny. That shit was whole. And I was a kid. I you know they got me one time. And the, the and that's the reason why I'm kind of telling on my ass right now because what I I used to love Michael Jackson, and when Thriller came out, one night they scared the living shit out of me while I was watching Thriller, because I never I'd heard the song but I'd never seen the movie yet and I was still young and I'd actually went to see Michael in concert at this time while all of this was going on, so I just left you know a couple of months beforehand seeing Michael live and then now I'm here at my sister's house and we're at my mom's house with my sisters watching Thriller. And they were they scared the living shit out of me. I I wasn't I mean I wasn't traumatized. I went to bed and woke up the next morning, saw the sunlight, I was good. But this this my sister, no, she was scared. She saw Freddy Krueger and that like traumatized her ass for about a month. Oh yeah. That was and I was like seven and just laughing my ass off and she was scared that's, shitless. That's funny stuff. <laughs> I really is. But, that's awesome. but but once again, that's that was real horror. People were that scared of shit back then. Nowadays they know with the with all of I think with so much in cinema that makes it fake, it mm-hmm. it because of all of the digitizing and you know, they don't get that shit exactly right, somebody will see it and it will look fake. Oh yeah. You know well, there's definitely definitely a thing to be said. You've noticed in horror films they've stepped back from a lot of digital yeah. gore. Because it did look fake. Yeah. Um, you go back and you look at some of those you know, early slasher flicks from the 80s where they still use practical effects. Yeah. That shit is terrifying because it looked real, because it has weight to shit, it. Shit, the original Chainsaw Massacre was nuts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and here's the thing, man. You go watch that and you realize there's very little actual killing or gore on the screen, but that movie gets a hold of you by the base of your skull and does not let Mm-mm. go. And, and that's... that. Hollywood right now is going to have to get to a point where their their transformation is going to build off of well, well let me let me step back for a minute before I go there. I, I want to step back because of the whole situation with the Oscars this year. Mm-hmm. And 
I want people to understand that on one hand, I've, I've heard people say that, you know, we should have had more representation of black people at the Oscars. And, and I'm thinking I really look back at the body of work from 2015 and I didn't really see much. I didn't see a, a glory in there. I didn't see a training day in there. Straight out of Compton was awesome, but there wasn't really other than, a, you know, maybe one or two films. But to be able to say that our whole body of work of any films, for that matter, were that good. Not just black movies, not just white I mean, all movies sucked in 2015. There weren't a lot of good movies in general. Right. You know, Hollywood in general has to take a whole basis and take a step back and start listening to the people again because whoever's making these movies and stop making these fucking propaganda movies where they're more concerned about getting a point across and, and, and actually tell a fucking story and then you'll fix your problem. Because if you're telling a story, you can't tell a story without black people. You can't tell a story without white people. You can't, and not in America. No, that's absolutely hell not. no. You, it can't be done. You cannot do it. So we have to start taking more. If they take and understand to start making a real story about real life, not trying to use some whatever. You know, I watched a movie the other day. Um, shit. Uh, well, no, Batman versus Superman. Watching that movie, it seemed like it was more of an ad for more Batman and Superman or more Justice League movies than it was actually telling a story. Right. You know? That, that's a big a big problem with it, damn, too. It I'm like set up for another story. I'm like, shit. You know, and then I'm like, you're going to kill Superman? What the fuck you going to kill? What, who the fuck killed Superman? They didn't kill Professor X in the first one, and then when they did kill him, they had to bring his ass back. Hello? Right. But I think they actually did that. That was done for a story reason because it takes a more violent Batman and gives him somebody to look up to and clean his act up because of. And I, I kind of get that to a point, but then I don't believe Ben Affleck is Batman. Just, oh, you didn't see? I thought he was outstanding as Batman. I, I believe him as Bruce Wayne. Now, that's where I'm weird. Y'all can call me weird. I actually would, would, would I can believe him as the person. To me, Michael Keaton was the best Bruce Wayne as far as the character of, of playing Bruce Wayne, George mm-hmm. Clooney was the worst. Yes. He was the worst as, as being Bruce Wayne. Not necessarily, you know, Batman is Batman. He's behind a cape. Hell, but most of Batman is a goddamn stuntman until he gets close up. That's it. Okay. You feel me? The, the, now, I think Ben Affleck did a good job as, you know, he kind of carried on where Michael Keaton left off. And that's a whole lot of stretch. And I'm saying that with Christian Bale doing a Christian Bale did a good job as well, but Ben Affleck, he reached in a little better, a lot deeper as as Bruce Wayne and in that character. As Batman, and it, it, I did it was just it was hard to believe with the whole voice and all that shit. I, Michael King didn't have no voice changing shit. He was him, you know. You feel me? It, it was it was real. Michael, you know, when they had that first Batman, and that was with J- Jack Nicholson when you knew shit had to be right. If, if it oh, wasn't yeah. right, Jack wouldn't have been in it. Yeah, let's be real. Well, see, I got I got mixed feelings over that first Batman movie. Um, but Michael Keaton, here's the thing: I remember people shit their pants when he was announced, and then you, you watch it and like, hey, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah, you know. But no, I get you. But I I thought Ben Affleck because I was nervous about him playing Batman, and then when I saw the movie, I was like, okay, that might be the best non animated Batman I have seen so far. He was good. Yeah. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But I, no, I, no. he just, he seemed a little bit more believable. Out, and, and I mean, if I can, if, if that don't make me sound like I'm nuts or whatever, just a differentiate Batman and Bruce Wayne. I mean, they're, you know, just, but like I said, just what, how he, outside of when he had the cape on, it was just, it was hard to believe that that was, I'm like, it's Ben Affleck as Batman. It's not Batman. You feel me? Gotcha. No, I I, I can certainly take that out because you put a no name act, an actor who you don't know before, it's easier to go. Oh, well, that's Batman. There, exactly. There yeah. you go. That's well. What, hey, Joe, we are we are running up on time. Right. If people want to find you on the interwebs, where can they find you at? I am located at the best place to reach me is on my Twitter feed. That's at Joe Moffitt Show. Also, you can always find every episode at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Joe Moffat Show and searching on iTunes of the Joe Moffat Show. 
the Joe Moffat Show. And also, I think we should probably give a big shout-out to the Potter and Family. Yes, hashtag. indeed. Yes, indeed. You, uh, everybody at Potter and Family, they have been immensely helpful with getting my getting the show out. It's been great, and I, I, I've been blessed to meet all of you guys. It's been really wonderful over this yeah. last year. Because I was going to say, you know, here's the thing. I Every episode I sit down, I mean to do a Potter and Family shout-out, and I'll be horse-fucked if I ever actually get yeah. around to doing it, you know? <laughs> so so while I've got you on here, I think it's important that we do. If you guys oh, yeah. are fans of podcasts and you are not checking out the Potter and Family hashtag, you're doing a disservice to yourself. And we need to actually get with them and, and turn this into a network. And like I was saying before, we, we it's time to turn this thing way, way, way bigger. I've turned businesses big. Now it's time for us to do it for ourselves. And I think we can make, I think all of our shows can come together and make one of the best networks in podcasting and, and, and take on, you know, Sirius XM or anybody else that's out there. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe we should uh, get a handful of people together and see about, at the very least, doing promotional trades. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down so maybe, all day. Maybe we can, we can start floating that out to a couple people and see if we get any bites. All right. So, hey, Joe, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. All right. And everybody, you can find us at geekishcast.com. We're, uh, yeah, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. And I tweet from at the geekishcast. Catch you all later. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.